When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock. Lance Ryzen is going to join me a little bit later uh, to look back on some film from that Cardinals win on Sunday. But let's get everyone going here for the week. We're each going to come up with something to watch this week as the Browns face off against the Ravens in Baltimore on Sunday afternoon. So, Mary Kay, why don't you start us off? What are you watching for this week? You know, there's so many things to watch for in this game and so many storylines, but the number one thing that I'm going to be watching for is what can Deshaun Watson do in his second game back now from the strained rotator cuff after building up some confidence chips against the Cardinals. And now he's going against a team that leads the NFL with 35 sacks and is also number one in the NFL in holding down opponents to points. They have they're giving up a little bit over 13 a game. And this is just not going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination. And also, I think, you know, there's there are enough. They have a nasty, tough defense. And I think that they're going to want to make life really difficult for Deshaun Watson. They've got some guys back that didn't play in the first game. I think Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Williams are supposed to be playing in this game. I haven't seen anything otherwise. Uh, So I think that's going to make things a little bit tougher than they were even in the first game. Uh, I just think that this is going to be an incredible, incredible challenge. And the number one thing that I think that Deshaun Watson is going to have to do after protecting the football is to not get outside of himself, to not try to do too much and to kind of stay composed. He has to keep it together. He has to not think of this as their Super Bowl, which it almost feels like that. It's going to have a playoff intensity, but I think he's got to not act like that. I think he just has to try to go out and make some plays. And if it doesn't go well in the early going to just stick with it and not get rattled, they're going to try to rattle him. He can't get rattled. This is like, I I don't know how to describe this in sort of the arc of the Deshaun Watson story, but this feels like it it's going to be a moment one way or the other because, you know, he came, he's back. So this isn't like his first game back. This is a huge game. This is why you go get a quarterback like Deshaun Watson to go to, to try to win games like this. Um, I, I don't know, like there's no excuses really at this point. I mean, he, you know, what is this game 10 game 11, I, I guess that he's played with the Browns and we've really only seen one, 
like vintage Deshaun game. That was against the Titans, and then he got hurt. Uh, and last week was fine. There was some good. There was some bad. But like this is sort of, I guess this feels like a moment, Ashley. Like this is going to be, like if he plays poorly again, I don't think I'm going to be listening to sports talk radio or reading Twitter much on Monday. But th- this is kind of a spot where Deshaun Watson can sort of re, you know, begin reestablishing himself as as an elite quarterback. If he goes to Baltimore and plays well, if he struggles and looks like he did against Pittsburgh or or whatever, then the discussion goes back to where we were, however many weeks ago. This is this is a big moment here. Yeah, I mean, I think, too, like when you talk about him coming to Cleveland last year, he had, you know, a bad showing in, was it against the Ravens? The, when he played, because he played all the division games, I think, once, right? I think he did okay. I mean, they beat the Ravens on that Saturday mm-hmm. night, and I thought he was okay in that game. Um, I'm trying to remember so- which, but like, I know he's talked about these AFC North division games and like being excited to play in them and Look, I mean, I think the the Ravens right now are clearly like the top dogs in the AFC North and like watching them compared to the first time, as Paulinka agrees with me, compared to the first time the Browns played them, they have more guys healthy, you know, OBJ's back for them. That's the big one that Brown fans, I'm sure, are going to be keeping an eye on. Their secondary is more healthy and they seem to be settling more into that Todd Munkin system since they had to learn a new offense together. So I definitely think that this is these are the kind of games the Browns really need Deshaun Watson to be vintage Deshaun. Um, and this defense right now for them is so good as well and very physical. I think the, the physicality alone of the Ravens defense, if he can perform against them, I think will go a long way towards like the narrative being positive and turning positive regarding his shoulder and the issues that he's had. Podcasts with Paul Anka are better than podcasts without Paul Anka. I'm just going to put that out there. We need to have him like... Ironically, I would argue for me personally (laughs) that podcasts without Paul Anka are much better than podcasts with him. But this is life with a dog. Can we get him on like Zoom for like our post-game pod on on Sunday night? Or what? like just every now and again a little bark from Paul Anka. I I think it would add to things. Well, my my cat Shelby made an appearance on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show today. All of a sudden, I, I detected behind me something was going on, and she was just running around doing zoomies behind me. And I know she was on camera for some of that, so I, she must have known that uh, you know that it was her big moment. I'm gonna have to find the clip of it. Like I, I love Mary Kay's <laughs> cat Shelby for the listeners. Like it's the most, she's the most adorable cat that you can picture, and I. Cannot picture Shelby having zoomies though, so I need to oh, see yeah. this. I need to find the clip. She this, had him. This is how we know that like we're not going into another week of will he, won't he with Deshaun Watson. We're talking about <laughs> pets on our, on our Wednesday bot setting up the week. I guess for me, Mary Kay, the thing that I'm kind of watching for this week is this is sort of the first real test for this Browns team because you know, early in the year, it was Cincinnati, it was Pittsburgh. And and you've mentioned it, that Pittsburgh game, everybody just seems shell-shocked after Nick Chubb went down. And then it was Tennessee, which is not a real test. Um, but when they did play Baltimore last, it was with Dorian Thompson Robinson. And we didn't get to see the real Browns versus the real Ravens in that game. And look, Baltimore gets credit for going at that defense and sort of, you know, exposing some things about it. But um, to me, this is sort of the first real test of this football team. They're going to have their quarterback. 
The defense is healthy for the most part and playing confident. Uh, you know, Baltimore's playing as, as well as anybody in the league. You can make the case they're the best team in the league right now. If they're not, they're top two, top three, whatever. You're you're nitpicking at that point. This is everything you want in a November AFC North game, and this is a big measuring stick for the Browns. Even if they lose this game, like let's say they lose this game on a Justin Tucker field goal with three seconds left, they can still come away feeling good about where they are. Um, so to me, this is a I mentioned this is like a moment for Deshaun. I just think this is a moment for this football team. Like this is where you can stake your claim and say, we belong in that discussion among the top, the top teams in the AFC. This is sort of where you can establish that. Yeah. They can plant their flag in the AFC North with this game for sure. 100% on both sides of the ball. So much to prove for both sides of the ball. I mean, I know that this Browns defense, which does call itself the best defense in the world. uh, You know, they want to go in there and they want to avenge that loss. They were embarrassed by Lamar Jackson in that first game and, and the Ravens offense in that 28 to three loss on October 1st. And they do fancy themselves the best defense in the darn world. And they're going to want to go in there and prove to everyone uh, that that's what they really are. And no one gave them a chance against the 49ers. No one gave them a chance and no one's going to give them a chance in this game. And all week long, all they're going to hear about is the great Ravens offense. And they're going to be so sick of it by the time they show up in Baltimore, that they're going to be ready to practically rib Lamar Jackson's head off. And I think they're going to come out all guns blazing. I think it's going to have a playoff intensity. And on both sides of the ball, I think it's going to get chippy. I think it's going to get nasty. I think there's going to be some fisticuffs. And that's just between the coaches. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I think that this is going to be uh, – really a classic, a classic football game. And, you know, some things are different. I mean, they didn't even have um, Odell Beckham Jr. that game. I don't even know if Rashad Bateman's playing right now or not. But, um, you know, they didn't have this new rookie running the ball, uh, Keaton Mitchell. I think Keaton is his first name. And, uh, you know, he just won AFC Rookie of the Week for rushing for like 130 yards last week. Uh, So, this this is a it's a classic game. And when they did face the San Francisco 49ers, I'm just going to say it. You know what? They did not catch the 49ers at complete full strength. Debo Samuel, who is one of the two main pieces on that offense, missed most of that game. I mean, it's practically like taking Amari Cooper out of the Browns offense, right? I mean, that's that's pretty big to not have Debo Samuel for most of that game. And then when the chips were down, they didn't have Christian McCaffrey for most of that game. And nobody's going to, you know, feel sorry for, the, for, for anybody because, you know, the Browns didn't have Nick Chubb and all that kind of stuff, but it was not the San Francisco offense that had been tearing it up to that point. On the other hand, this Ravens offense is pretty much full strength heading into this game. And Lamar looks great. Todd Munkin has him playing his best ball. And this is the biggest challenge for the Browns this season. Yeah. I mean, like Ashley, you want to be considered a contender. You, you know, you go on the road and you compete against a team like Baltimore. Again, if you lose on some fluke or you lose a close game, okay, that, that happens. That's the NFL. But if you go there and you get beat by two scores or three scores and you don't look like you belong on that field, 
that changes the whole narrative of of this football team and, and what it can do. So this is this is kind of a proving ground for the Browns. A tough road win, a team playing, a team that's getting healthy and playing as well as anybody in the NFL. Are you the Miami Dolphins who lose every time they play a good team? Or are you like a legitimate contender in the AFC? And there's still a lot of football after this, but this is going to start to frame the narrative on this football team. Yeah, I mean, I do think that's just the key right now, given especially just how close these division standings are. Like Baltimore's at seven and two, everybody else is at five and three. The bottom three spots are being decided by tiebreakers right now. Um, but I do think too, like I even if it's a close loss, right? Like I don't I agree with you, like I don't think the sky is falling. But I just think of the last two years in Baltimore. Last year, they lose by three. Cade York had that field goal blocked that would have tied the game. It was like a 50-plus yard field goal. I don't remember how long it was. The year before that, I can't remember what the score was. I want to say like 16-10. I don't know if that's right, but that's the game they intercepted Lamar Jackson. It was something weird like that. It was something really weird, and it was low scoring, and that's the game they got four interceptions, and the offense couldn't do anything, and... I've talked about it before in the podcast. That game to me was like where you saw the wheels really starting to come off. And like, so there was that. And then last year, that was the yelling in the locker room game. Like for whatever reason, the last couple of years, it's been close games, but things haven't gone well in Baltimore. And like, I think both those games were kind of turning points for each of those respective seasons, like for what happened on the field and then what happened in the post games, both of those years. So I really think it's really important, not just to like, you know, keep it competitive. Like I really think it would go much further than against another opponent to come away with a win in this one. And you add on top of that, how well the Ravens are playing right now and how well Lamar Jackson looks. And like, it's just so clear that they made the right decision by going in a different direction with this offense to me as I watch them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's like the standings plus all of those intangibles. Like you, you can't look like you don't belong on the field with them at all. That's just not an option. All right, Ashley, give us one more. Yeah. Well, I think this will probably lead in nicely to what Lance is going to talk about, because I know I've talked with Lance about this topic, especially after the first Ravens game, but I'm really curious. I think what I'm watching is the front of this defense, specifically specifically the first two levels. So I'll go D-line and linebackers. Um, because you talk about what the Ravens did against them last time. And they weren't even at full strength on their offensive line, right? They didn't have Ronnie Stanley, who's the big name. Um, they were able to kind of use, number one, a lot of eye candy with Zay Flowers to trick the Browns into a lot of stuff. And it especially trick those linebackers and you heard those guys talk about it. So I'm curious how they kind of overall, just the counter adjustments that are going to be made in this matchup, because the Ravens also did a really nice job. And I'm sure Lance will talk about this. So I don't want to steal his full talking point here of basically using the Browns aggressiveness on the D line against them and how they would trap guys and do that sort of stuff. And then really try to exploit this linebacker unit. So I especially think it's a chance for these linebackers to show, Hey, We have a couple guys who had season-ending injuries, but we are back and better than ever, so to speak. Um, And I think just on that micro level for this defense, I'm really curious about how that test is going to play out for them. Yeah, this is such an interesting matchup, Mary Kay, because you have, I mean, Lamar Jackson caused this team so many problems. And just, you know, Ashley mentioned that eye candy and the different things they can do with with, um, Zay Flowers. 
I almost called him Zay Jones again, Zay Flowers. <laughs> um, and Todd Munkin is, is, you know, this is like the year of Todd Munkin, apparently. Wins a national title at Georgia, and now he's, who knows, he might end up as a head coach <laughs> next year. I don't know. Uh, but he's got Lamar Jackson playing as well as he's ever played at an MVP level again. Like, this is such a good test because, it, you know, the, what is the antidote for this defense? So far, it seems to have been a guy like Lamar Jackson who can do so many different things, use that aggression against them, um, use that Jim Schwartz style against them. I, this is this is going to be fun because, again, this defense is coming off of one of its best games. So they're, they're riding high, and they're confident, and they feel good. So everything's just aligned for this game to be, again, like I said, just a proving ground on so many levels. Yeah, that's so very true. And when you look at Todd Munkin heading into this game, uh, you know, knowing Todd Munkin a little bit from when he was here with the Browns, you know that he's going to want to change things up a little bit. And they will have some different personnel. Again, as we mentioned, Ronnie Stanley, the left tackle, is back. Uh, Odell is back. And now they've got this new rookie running back uh, tearing it up. So they have some different personnel. So by virtue of that, they will be somewhat different than what the Browns saw the first time around. But on top of that, uh, they're going to have to be, uh, you know, they're going to have to surprise the Browns with some things because this Browns defense, when it's on, it is really, really on and it can disrupt anybody and make life miserable for anybody. And they're going to have to somehow get them off guard. They're going to have to uh, find a way to not let, Miles Garrett wreck the game, you know, that's vitally important. And Miles can move around to wherever he wants to and find the the weak link on the line. We know that he can do that. Um, so it's going to be a very interesting chess match between Todd Munkin and Jim Schwartz. Now, Jim Schwartz, I mean, you know, he doesn't feel good about what happened in the first game. Of course, when you have Dorian Thompson Robinson throwing interceptions and setting them up with, uh, you know, field position inside the 10, that never helps matters. But um, still, I think that, you know, Jim Schwartz is going to want to have a a much better defensive performance uh, than they did in that 28 to three loss. So um, I just think that it's going to be really interesting to see what does Todd Munkin have in store I mean, do you have time in the middle of the season to put very many new wrinkles in? Or again, just by virtue of having some different guys on the field, is that enough uh, to, you know, to get a team off of its mark? Now, obviously, there's going to be a ton of crowd noise. It's going to be loud. It's going to be intense. It's going to be fast paced. Uh, But they handled the crowd noise pretty well. Um, you know, in Seattle for the most part. So I, you know, I don't know how that's going to go, but, um, but yeah, I think that, I think that Todd still has some things to prove against the team that, you know, in 2019, when he was here with Freddie Kitchens, it just, you know, it just didn't go well. He just, he had to keep his mouth shut and just deal with the mess. And, you know, now he can let it all hang out and he's going to want to show what he's got. All right, this is going to be a very interesting week ahead. It is Ravens week. The Browns, of course, playing two very important games, uh, one in Baltimore and then hosting Pittsburgh the following week. For the Ravens, uh, you know, I mentioned this, they've got the Browns on Sunday, and then they turn around and they play the Bengals uh, Thursday night football. So um, the AFC North, the next three weeks, it, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how everything plays out. We'll get you set up here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We're going to take a break. 
on the other side, we're going to look back a little bit. Lance is going to tell us, Lance Reisland is going to tell us what he saw in the Browns win over the Cardinals. That's coming up after the break. Welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We now welcome on Lance Reisland to look back on the Browns 27 to nothing win over the Cardinals. And of course, Lance, the big story is Deshaun Watson. Uh, so let's just get right to it. What did you see out of Deshaun on Sunday? Anything give you pause? Anything make you confident? What? How, how did you feel about Deshaun coming out of that game? Well, first and foremost, I, I like the fact that he got hit. Um, there's a couple times, I'm sure everybody, including all of us, when he got hit a couple times, is he getting up? Is he going to, uh, you know, is he going to grab that shoulder? I thought he made a couple really good throws. I thought he transferred his weight on a couple really good throws. So the 59 uh, yarder and the, uh, you know, on that first field goal. And then that, you know, that, that vertical pass, he hit the uh, Cooper as well. I thought he transferred his weight. And once he does that, I think he's like confident now that he can do that. So, you know, he's 19 to 30, uh, added a, you know, 22 more with his feet, picked up a key first down. Uh, he seems to be in complete control, played with a lot of confidence, I thought, you know, the next step, you know, is this is like now it's all right. Now these pieces that the Browns added, now he needs to start. Cooper obviously was great for five for 139. But now these other pieces, you know, the the Moore and the Aikens, these guys that they, they're going to be important pieces down the road besides the Joku, you know, they got to start getting involved too. And I think that'll be the next progression is getting these next guys involved. But fundamentally, uh, I think he, you know, like we all are when we get hurt, you know, it's, it's, you got to test it and see how it works. But I, I think he felt confident in, in, in what he was doing. And it seemed like it grew as the game went along, you know, early on there, there were some missed throws. There were some things that, that weren't working, but it did seem like it grew as, as it went along. Um, it still seems like some of the, some of the shorter stuff is causing him problems. And and I don't know if that's, if that was like a rust thing, I, you know, I don't know. Um, obviously it's great to get the deep ball going, but teams are going to start to take that away if they kind of feel like that's all he can really do against them. So what, what did you see with some of the easier, shorter stuff? I mean, he did a nice job a couple times, just kind of dumping it off to Jerome Ford, things like that. What, what did you see in, in that part of his game? Well, some of those throws are the hardest throws. You know, the swing pass, a swing pass in football is one of the hardest passes to throw. Uh, not knowing where the guy is going to turn up. Some guys run it more flat. Some guys bubble it more. So I think all those the passes that you're missing right now is going to come down to just game reps because a lot of those reps they take during practice, especially those short reps. You know, in a game, everybody's amped up and everything is you know so fast. And when you run into vertical in practice. I think a vertical in practice and a vertical in game are about as similar as you're going to get. But those underneath routes and with coverage and uh, pressure, those kind of things, it kind of it comes down to reps for me. And I think those things will will get better as he just kind of continues to rep it, uh, get more practice, you know, and 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 all those things. And I think he's going to start, um, even though he's he played, obviously he was kind of, you know, he hasn't been getting all the reps you normally would as a starting quarterback in the NFL from individual to Skelly to 11 on 11. He just needs those reps, and I think those things will come. But, you know, some of those throws, <clears throat> the vertical throw for a guy like Watson, some of those throws, that's not hard. As Some of those swings and those arrows and those juke routes and stuff, those are hard to throw, and they just take timing and practice more than a vertical, in my opinion. How much of it, too, is, like, how much of it is on Deshaun? How much of it is on the receivers? Like, like are you seeing... Are, are you seeing opportunities there for him to maybe take advantage of an Elijah Moore uh, over the middle or, uh, you know, we didn't see a ton of Cedric Tillman on Sunday. Are, are there opportunities there where, where you can see some growth in that area? 
Well, yeah, and the, and the receivers got to see what he sees. So when he's really good at processing, we go back to 2020, and I watched all that, all those, t- all those throws. He really does a good job of processing. But those guys are with him for a long time. So these guys are all new, and it's just going to take time because whatever coverages they went over, whatever you go over, you know, you get defenses who do different things. You have to adjust in game. You have to adjust to uh, to the speed of the game. Uh, they were in the cover two. Now they're going with one high hat. Uh, this guy is covering more. They're more nickel. Uh, they're they're heating you up more than they did on uh, you know in the scouting report. So there's a lot of things that just come with uh, practice reps and getting to know each other and understanding that the receivers have to see the same thing he's seeing. So if it's zone and they're running crossing routes, they need to sit. If it's man, they need to keep moving. Uh, just those little things that come with you know Cooper's going to get out of his comeback route differently than Elijah Moore is going to get uh, come out of his uh, comeback route, uh, and he just does that with reps. Uh, and game reps, and that'll all come. But that takes time. And, you know, with the injury and last year's suspension, all kind of stuff, he just hasn't had that consistent week after week, throw after throw, practice after practice kind of rhythm that you get into that will help him with those those throws. And um, that, like I said earlier, I think that's the big step is he's got to get these other guys involved so they can so people don't double Cooper and people don't take away the run and things like that because they got a lot of guys in this offense that have track records that can be very good and I think that's the next progression. Okay, let's move on to the defensive side of the ball. There's a couple things I want to get into and I want to start with the interior of that defensive line. Dalvin Tomlinson, uh, two and a half sacks, I think is what he ended up with in that game. I think they took a half sack away, uh, so he ends up with two and a half in in that game. His best game as far as uh, really, I believe that was a career high for him. The interior of this defensive line is something we've talked a little bit about, but it was really the star, I think, of Sunday's game. And they really benefited. Look, when Miles comes roaring around the edge and that quarterback has to step up, especially a rookie quarterback, um, there's opportunities there for Dalvin and Jordan Elliott and Shelby Harris and, and all those interior guys. What did you see from the interior of that defensive line uh, on Sunday from the Browns? Well, I think you just named it. So they got depth now, right? And now these guys get the, you know, like I look at Jordan Elliott, and Jordan Elliott is having a great year. And one of the reasons he's having a great year is not only has he gotten better and bigger and stronger, and but he's in the right scheme now, and he's also starring in his role. So, you know, I used to say as a coach, no matter what your job is, if you play three snaps or 100 snaps, you got to star in your role. And his job is to be an interior guy, kind of anchor in there, penetrate. Uh, Thompson's kind of the anchor in the run game. He's not going to get a ton of penetration, even on the sacks, is because the quarterback is going to step up most of the time, even even though he does have incredible feet for a guy that size, but that defensive line interior, they're just doing, they're just getting upfield and they're allowed to play. And I think what they do because they have depth is they're allowed to play. They're playing very fast and very hard knowing they're going to get a break if they need one. Uh, they're all benefiting from miles Garrett. You know, I, I looked at, I did an interesting, I was trying to figure out with this defensive line, because even though they're interior guys, these guys move all around. And last year, miles had 16 sacks and the rest of the defensive line had 18 in a 17 game season. This year, Miles already has nine and a half, but they already have 27 as a defensive line. So that tells you they're all helping each other. Um, I don't know if they're going to get a guy who is going to get nine or 10 sacks behind Miles, but they get a lot of guys that are getting two or three because Obo get good pressure and that bumps them into Thomason. And, you know, they're all, it's kind of a unit now. And when you have a unit, that makes it very hard to game plan for. So if you think Obo is really good, then you're going to leave Smith. If you think Smith is really good, then you're going to leave Thomason. So they're all helping each other. Uh, and, and they've just upgraded their personnel, right? So they got guys who are big time, uh, big bodies, big time players. And 
have a proven track record. So they've seen zone, they've seen doubles, they've seen pass. So they've seen this stuff. And I think you're seeing that uh, with experience, especially in the D line, I've always said it's like a freshman in college versus senior in college. They're just grown men now. And they got a bunch of grown men inside. And even Jordan Elliott, he's getting to that, you know, upper older statesman. So they just got some grown men in there that are able to take on the offensive line better than they have in the past. Let's spend a little more time on Jordan Elliott because he really is kind of the the reclamation story in there. Uh, you know, he had a pretty quiet first few years of his career. And now, you know, it sounds like he's in a role that suits him better. How different is he watching him this year as opposed to what you watched last year? Well, they're more of a, you know, more of a two gap scheme last year, right? Kind of contain everything. They're not like that anymore, right? So they're getting upfield, they're penetrating. So he wasn't really good at taking a double teams and double teams are all about turning into the double. And there's a, there's a number of different ways that would take a whole nother pod. But what he does really, really good is that he gets in a gap and he goes and, um, you know, they're going to have to adjust that a little bit. And we'll talk about that more on Thursday, but he just is really good in a gap. Uh, he's really heavy, so he's improved uh, in the offseason with his uh, – the one thing I thought, I thought his lower body looked a lot thicker this year at camp. So he did a good job of preparing his body. Um, obviously, Schwartz had an idea of what he wants in those guys physically. Um, he's really tough. He, you know, when he was at Missouri, that's what he did really well. He got in a gap and he went. And, you know, having a you know two-gap and then all of a sudden he was kind of the anchor last year. Everybody thought he was going to make a huge step, and he had really proven himself – um, so I just think he's older. And once again, uh, uh, you know, it's kind of redundant, but it goes back to the pro being a pro defensive line is kind of like being a senior in college. You know, you have to grow into that position a little bit. There's very few guys uh, that come in. There's some guys, but there's very few guys. They need to be, they need to get some seasoning in them. Some, you know, learn these NFL guys and learn these NFL schemes and learn the speed and basically get bigger and stronger and faster so they can handle it and handle it for over 17 weeks. So that's what I see in Elliott and he's playing with great confidence, right? And he's not the guy. He doesn't have to be the guy. He just gets to play. And there's a lot to be said about that's his role. So no one's talking about on the defensive line, even though he's having his best year, no one's talking about him. And that's, that's probably pretty refreshing for him because he just gets to go out and play. All right. Another guy I want to talk about uh, uh, who's maybe having his best season, which is saying something because he's been, really good throughout his career, obviously earned a gigantic contract extension um, a few years back. Denzel Ward, Juan Thornhill this week on Monday, called him the best cornerback in the league. Uh, whatever, people can debate that if they want, but he's having a great year. And it feels to me like a lot of that is he's thriving in man coverage. Um, that's something where he's really excelling. What are you seeing out of Denzel Ward this season? Well, you know, I was, it's health and scheme, right? When, so when you asked me that today, I was like, that's two things, right? So he's been pretty healthy in the scheme. So what you're saying is exactly why he's being so. He has tremendous confidence in himself. If you remember last year, he would talk about, I want to play more man. I want to play more man. And he's kind of, you know, he's kind of putting it out there saying, and he's showing everybody why he's so good, man. Uh, he plays longer than he is. He's got incredible feet. He's got a incredible straight line speed. Um, but more than just the scheme. So he has tremendous confidence in the scheme. And Schwartz has tremendous confidence in, in him in this scheme. But it goes back to what I've said a number of times uh, on this Tuesday pod. These guys are practicing. So he gets to work on the hip. He gets to work on closing. He gets to work on breaking the hands. He gets to work on all the man techniques uh, that we all work on as coaches. And so he's working that. So he's been working that since training camp, and he's continuing to work that. He doesn't have to work as many zone turns. He doesn't have to work as many um, zone concepts and, and two by two and three by one. He's basically lining up and playing man coverage, and he's as he's really good at it. And not only is he good at it, but he's practicing, so he's getting the reps. So he's not repping half of practice zone, half of practice man. He's working all that man stuff 
against like Amari Cooper, you know, all those guys. So they're just getting better. Um, and that's that in me, that's the reason why. So it's health, it's scheme. Those are two most important, but that's what he's practicing every day. And the more you practice something, the better you get at it. The other thing too, and he mentioned this after the game, Martin Emerson got zero targets thrown his way in that game. And Denzel basically said after the game, that's great. That's more balls coming my way. I can, you know, maybe you guys will start throwing my way. I'll get to make plays. I'm obviously paraphrasing there a little bit. That, that helps too, right? Like if, if a quarterback's dropping back and he looks one way and he doesn't want to throw at that guy and then he looks the other way, he doesn't want to throw at that guy, he's got to throw at somebody. So there's opportunities there for both of those guys to make plays based on that choice. Well, and then it goes back to also, so if you're not only Emerson, but you t- take that defensive line now. So this this idea of playing well at all three levels. So now you have this defensive line who are going to create pressure, which is going to speed up the clock. Uh, speeding up the clock means that they're going to be able to play tighter man because they know they got to run shorter routes because the defensive line is getting home. So it all kind of plays together and what they're doing. And yeah, I, you know, I think that's a friendly competition they have with each other. Uh, Emerson has shown the ability to tackle, um, you know, when, when Ward's been healthy, Ward is elite. He's elite in his coverage. Uh, and if you look at the way he covers on slants and the way he closes and the way he closes on the hip and the way he, uh, his head goes when the receiver goes. There's so many cliches that he does. He's so elite, and he's man coverage. And those guys are all man coverage, and they kind of you can see they take it personal, um, and they play with a little bit of attitude. And that de- that attitude they're playing it with on defense hopefully will carry over to the offense. But it's still, regardless of how good Deshaun Watson gets, they need to protect that defense in terms of field position, pump the ball when needed, and rely on that defense because that defense is really, really good. Okay, before I let you go. I gotta know. Do you have another question this week? Yeah, you know, you might have you might have to get back to me on Thursday. I do have a question. The okay. question is what regardless of sport, what are your top three sport movies of all time? Ooh, top three sport movies of all time, regardless of sport. Regardless okay. of sport. I'm still a Hoosiers guy. I haven't seen Hoosiers in forever, but I'm still a Hoosiers guy. I actually uh driving back from Indianapolis one year. If if between the the Ohio border and Indianapolis, there's a, there's signs for I think it's Knightstown, but that's where the Hoosier Gym is. You see signs mm-hmm. for the Hoosier Gym, and I actually stopped there once randomly on my way home and got there right as the guy was opening it up. And I like I, I'm not joking here. I like gasped when I walked in the door and saw like the gym. Okay, you go down to the locker room, and he you know he gave me a ball, and let me put some shots up. So like. <laughs> Hoosiers, nice. Hoosiers is still high on my list. Um, okay. Let me think. Another one I haven't seen in a while, but it's a classic. I am going to try and cross a bunch of sports here. Slapshot. Oh, good one. Solid. That's, that's a good that's one. That's a good one. I got to try and think of another one. You're uh, in our you age go. group now, too. That's what you're doing. So I go. Yeah. So my, my number one, obviously, I'm a football guy. My number one is the program. Gosh, that was just the program to me was just such a classic. I think it's more um specific to you know a football guy but the program to me uh was just, just absolutely fantastic i don't know why i just loved it and then i go a little different route and i don't just go with a series but i go with rocky 4 rocky 4 Ooh. i could watch rocky 4 cold war i could watch that one <laughs> over and over and over that one you know when he's in that uh you know when he's training that one i like that one i like the soundtrack um so that would for sure be my uh, my second, and then the third one, you know, I, I had a bunch. I got Slapshot. I like 
Um, but I got to go remember the Titans uh, as my as my third one, just because of the um, everything involved with the, the high school football, et cetera. So uh, I'm kind of biased, obviously, football. Um, <laughs> but Rocky, you know, I was going to think Rocky. I was going to say Rocky, but that's kind of cheap. So I went Rocky Four because I think Rocky Four is the best one. Yeah, you know, I wasn't even thinking about Rocky. Um, you know, I mean, like Field of Dreams. That's a great one. Right. Like I, I could, I could reorder this list any number of ways. Um, so that would maybe be in the running. Uh, you know, I've really liked, I haven't seen the other two that have come out yet, but I really liked Creed. Oh, Creed was great. And the Rocky series. Good. Yeah, Creed was good. a, Creed was a great movie. Um, I think most of the Rocky movies could fit in there. Maybe not Rocky five, but, um, yeah, four, I go four yeah. and under, I mean, I watch them all four for me though. Four. I don't know. <laughs> I liked, I liked one, but I was young, a little bit young. But man, Rocky Four got Rocky Four got me when he's training and you know the whole night, the whole Apollo Creed thing. It, it, that, that's uh, that's up there for me. If it wasn't for three, if it wasn't for is uh, three's okay. Was it three is three is Hogan right? Hulk Hogan uh, is that no, right? Three is um, three is Mr. T. Mr. T. Right? Okay. Yeah. Three was okay. Three is okay. But I would I would say if I had to do an order of Rockies, five would be last. But it would go four, okay. one. Two, three, five, four, one, two, three, five. That would be my order of the Rockies. Okay. I think I would go, I think I would go one, three, four, two, five. Ooh, you go, you go. But three and four are really like interchange. It just depends like what kind of, like four is just, if I want to get pumped up. Oh yeah. I'm going to watch, I'm going to watch Rocky just go feed on a Russian dude. Four. But, I mean, you can watch four anytime. Get a little winter. It's like in the winter months when you're at home, it's freezing. It's dark when you get running up a mountain. Uh, yeah, <laughs> getting chased right. The car, car trying to chase him, watch him. <laughs> Nothing beats Rocky. But yeah, there's some good ones. I was like, you know, I'll ask him that one today because somebody asked me that. Uh, I was like, ooh, I like that. I'm gonna steal that one. Um, yeah, and I, and I feel the Sandlot. Oh, good one. Sandlot's a good one. Yeah, that's a good movie. I just watched that with my daughter. My daughter liked that one. Yeah, off the top of my head, it's it's just, you know, you think of so many good, it's like, I want to have a baseball movie on there, but then do I take off the uh, slap shot or who's, I don't know. It's, but you're, what's your number one? Hard. You got to pick, you got to pick one and you only get to watch one forever. What are you picking? I only get to watch, I, I think it would be Hoosiers. You're just going Hoosiers. I don't know All why. Right. I don't know why. And I know that, that some people hate that movie. But like I don't know, there's just something about it. Like it was one of the first sports movies I saw. I was a, a basketball kid growing up. There was just something about Hoosiers. I mean, if you don't, if you don't watch, song, yeah, if you don't watch Hoosiers and see when they're in that huddle and, and Chitwood says, "I'll make it." I mean, if you're not pumped up when he says he's going to make that last shot, I mean, yeah, you're not a sports fan. It's for, yeah, that's a good one. Hoosiers, Hoosiers is a good one for sure. Yeah, I, I think that would be. I know I'm. I'm going to log off of this oh, and be like, wait, I forgot like 10 movies. And then you're getting into the <laughs> comedies. You got like, uh, you got, I, I actually Googled sports movies just to see if I was forgetting any big <laughs> ones. And you, you know, if you want to get into the comedy movies, you want to talk like happy Gilmore or like, you know, some of those it's movies. T- you start throwing it's a tough one. If you, have to, if you have to pick three, it's a tough one, right? That's a good question. I, I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at like miracle. There's some hockey fans out there one. that would be like, "Oh, miracle! Yeah, that's got to be number one on your list." So that's a good one too. Miracle's got, a good we've one. We've gone longer on this than we did on on the Cleveland Browns. That's <laughs> uh, all right. I'll tell you, it's... but I'll but I'll tell you this draft day. Even though we did a whole draft day podcast, that is not on my list. 
I, you know, you like it. You had to watch it because it was here, but right. But no, yes. it's not on mine either. It's I, I wasn't a huge fan, but I watched it obviously because it's here. But you know, going back, it's like the my favorites were like when I was younger, right? Because I like them now, but when you're younger, I think they're better too. So I'd be interested here with the, uh, you know, Mary, if Mary Kay's different than ours, is you know Ashley's? I, I'd be interested. I, I I'd be interested to hear what they have to say as well. All right. Well, there you go. A little uh, sports movie talk there to end the, the Orchard Brown talk about the, the important stuff, right? The uh, yeah, exactly. favorite movies. Exactly. For Mary Kay, Ashley, and Lance, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.